Well, as we look around in, in the political scene today, we, we think things have never been this bad. Things have, we've ne the world has never experienced these things. Well, there are things going on today that are unprecedented by virtue of the fact that what I'm saying here is going around the world. That's kind of unusual. So there are things like that. When uh, Joshua died, the Hebrew nation had no strong central government. They were a loose confederation of 12 independent tribes with no unifying factor except their God. The 300-year period from Joshua's death to the, days, to the days of the prophet Samuel were marked by the role of something called a judge. We now we're familiar with that term, but there's more to it back in the days of Joshua. These judges were God's appointed leadership. They controlled matters of military, civics, and things legal. But as the book of Judges relates, they were not very effective at, of their job. That sounds like something from today, doesn't it? The people in leadership weren't effective, at, effective with what they were doing. Here's what the scripture says. Let's stand together for these few verses from Joshua chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and 16 to 20. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam, a false god, a pagans. And they forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, and of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken to the judges, but they went whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was the judge, was with the judge, and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies of all the days of the judge. Who had repented the Lord because of their groanings, by reasoning of, reasoning of them oppressed, that they oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow unto them, that caused them not to, not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn ways. They may be seated. People are stubborn. People are fickle. People don't know their own minds. People don't think things through. People are ungrateful. And since we're all people here, it applies to us, to me first. The people of Israel were commanded by the Lord to maintain a very high moral and spiritual series of standards. He had given them he had given them Moses and Joshua, and when Israel was under the rule of the judges, they failed to follow God's word. And what was the result? Now here comes a list, and this looks, list may look familiar to you. Because they, fought, they failed to follow the Lord, in that time, the people of Israel were confused. There was confusion at that time. There was a lack of organization and leadership. There was anarchy, anarchy at that time. There were heinous crimes being committed on the streets. There was idolatry. There was marriage to unbelievers. They were intermarrying with those who did not believe. One of the most important and important um, 
things that God tells us is that as believers, we're not to be hooked together with unbelievers. We're not to be unequally yoked, the Bible says. So if you are thinking of marrying a non-believer and you're out there someplace, the Bible says that is not what God would have you to do. But they did it. There was a lot of sexual immorality going on. There was a complete rejection of God's word, and there was turning away from the true and living God. The best way to summarize the tone of the times is found in the last verse of the book of Joshua. Joshua 21, 25. Look at this verse and tell me it doesn't fit for today. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We have made ourselves God. We have made ourselves judge and jury. The consequences of this departure from God and the foundation of his word was corruption, despair, and eventual captivity as documented in Judges chapter 17 to 21. We are living in a period similar to the time of the judges, and I'd like to give you just five examples of why I say that. Number one, we are abandoning God's word. Current surveys indicated that 85% of Americans believe in God. I don't believe that. 85% of Americans don't believe in God, yet many Americans live their lives as if God doesn't exist. Amen? You know, you're supposed to be able to demonstrate that you have a relationship with the Lord. Let the redeemed of the life of the Lord say so and live so. Let your light so shine, the Bible says. Well, when it doesn't, nobody knows. More than 80% seldom or never attend church or read a Bible. Doesn't sound like the 85% who call themselves Christians. Only 30% view the Bible as the ultimate authority in the life. 70% don't. As far as they're concerned, they never pick up this book. It doesn't make any sense to them to begin with. Most just follow their conscience and do whatever they think is best or whatever they please. George Gallup's uh, company made a few polls and they found that America is, quote, a nation of biblical illiterates. They don't know anything about the Bible. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Fewer than half of all Americans can even name five out of the Ten Commandments. When I was going to school, the Ten Commandments were posted on the wall just over the chalkboard. And every morning you had to read them. They read them aloud. I think things were a little bit better off back in those 50s, don't you? Number two, it's a period of confusion. We live in a period of confusion. What was once wrong is now right. That's confusing. What was once sin is now accepted and celebrated. We don't even know that there is a difference between males and females. Words have been changed under the dictates of what's politically correct or offensive to somebody, someplace, for some reason, under the all-present and uh, eye and ear of the PC police. All the while, a biased, secular, liberal media fans the flames of division, anger, and hatred, leading to a cancel culture of those who don't conform. It's been said that the 1950s were a golden age 
And then the progressives say a golden age of conformity. Everybody was kind of dressed alike. If you, if you knew anything about business, if you knew anything about IBM, they all wore the same gray suits. They, so did the FBI. They all dressed alike. This was the idea. This was what challenged the idea of conformity and uniformity. This was terrible that you would dress alike like that. Number three, it was, it, this is a period of idolatry. Our new gods are science, materialism, technology, wealth, fame, power, government, Amazon, self-improvement, fitness, education, entertainment, and our smartphones. Try to take a smartphone away from a high school student and see what happens. They'll rip your arm off. I mean, hello? We can't walk 10 feet away from us, our phones. We gotta have it. People walking around with it in their hip pocket. People everywhere, you sit down and watch people. I, I, when I take the kids ice skating or roller skating, and I'm sitting there, all the parents are on their, on their phones. Conversation today is two smartphones talking to each other. Number four, it's a time when people are into their own thing. How many of you heard that expression, I'm into my own thing? If it feels good, do it. No shame, no remorse. Because in our culture, you've got to take care of number one. Find your own happiness, honor, responsibility, and accountability and character are for losers. Winners are all there is. Christianity has become a consumer or cafeteria religion in which people pick and choose what biblical truths they will receive and those which they will reject. Number five. It's a time when our nation's founding documents built on a foundation of scripture are being trashed. Over 240 years ago, our nation's forefathers gathered in Philadelphia to debate and write a unique document. A single page announced the formation of a new nation, founded as its writer proclaimed on the idea that liberty is a gift of God. This document they wrote was the Declaration of Independence which states that, quote, we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Eleven years later, many of the same men gathered in Philadelphia to lay the groundwork for how this new nation would be governed. The result of their prayerful efforts was the United States Constitution, a system of government like no other, by the people, for the people, of the people, Enshrined in, the, enshrined in the Constitution, you will find several biblical principles. I'd like to share a few of those with you. Maybe you didn't know that this was in your Bible before it was in your Constitution. Principle, all men are created equal. That comes from Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons all equal in God's sight. Principle, liberty, comes from 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Again? That's where they got it from. They should have also put a little note down at the bottom of the Constitution and said that we're plagiarists, <laughs> but God is the author. Principle, 
the separation of powers. This really surprises most people. We have a system of three powerful uh, groups, the legislative, the judicial, and the executive. Look at this verse. Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. That, my friends, is the judiciary, the legislative, and the executive in one sentence. And that's where they got it from. The foundation of constitutional law, with its belief in the higher law and rights given, is now being eroded, attacked, threatened by a rogue and corrupting, corrupt Washington political system. It's taken a generation of activist judges to remove prayer, Bible reading from schools, legalizing abortion, removing the Ten Commandments, silencing religious speech, redefining marriage, and to try to redefine gender, equality law. Educator, author, civil servant William Bennett writes, quote, we have become the kind of society that civilized countries used to send missionaries to. You know, we're hardly sending any missionaries out from our country anymore. We were the principal country that sent missionaries all over the world, followed by England, followed by Scotland. We're not anymore. You know where the principal missionaries are coming from? South Korea. China, they were coming from China, but they're coming from the Pacific Rim, which is a wonderful thing. But think about what it means for us, how far we've deteriorated. Today, we find the Supreme Court justices no longer find American law, American tradition, and the Constitution the guiding documents to carry America through the 21st century. We've come to a long prophesied place in prophecy in which nations are pressured from within and without to give up their sovereign rights to a one world system. It's already happening in industry and the marketplace. Are these the beginnings of the one world order, the one world system? We have a global market. Made in China, anybody? Trying to bring all markets together under one umbrella system. It's happening in religion. The World Council of Churches, ecumenicism, trying to bring all faiths under the umbrella of a one world religion. It's happening among nations, the United Nations. All nations are one world system, no boundaries and no what? Borders. No borders. It's happening in currencies. A Visa card can buy goods and services anywhere in the world, no cash necessary. And now there's a dramatic shift to push our system of law to conform to international law. Listen to the words of former Chief Justice Stephen Breyer. He said this in 2003. To quote, the world, is together, the world is growing together through commerce and globalization. It's becoming more and more a one, wor one world of different kinds of people. Whether our constitution or how it fits into the governing documents of other nations, I think will be a challenge for the next generations. Things are changing, not by accident, but on purpose. God's got a plan. God told us in, the, in this book, in many places, including and especially in the book of Revelation, we're going to be under a one world system. 
Now you're seeing in your life that system being put together and being prepared to step forward and actually become activated. All the components, all the ingredients are being mixed in the big bowl so that you know, you understand what's happening. The world doesn't. People don't get it. If they got it, they might do something different, but they won't. The idea of being guided not only by U.S. law, but by international law, is supported by a number of sitting justices on the Supreme Court. The late Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, our island, or Lone Ranger mentality, is beginning to change. We are becoming more open to comparative international law perspectives. As a one-world system begins to take shape for all to see it, it's already having an impact on America today. On November 18, 2003, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial, uh, Judicial Government Court found, quote, a right to same-sex marriage. This right was not found in the state constitution, but was based on the opinion of a provincial Canadian court. International law coming into America. The ramifications of international law on the religious liberty of ordinary American citizens are as profound as they are despairing. The embrace of international law is a violation of the principles on which our nation was founded. In Australia, an evangelical Christian was brought up on charges under, quote, a religious tolerance act for truthfully, for truthfully presenting the gospel. In France, public schools have been permitted by law to ban certain forms of religious service and apparel. Isaiah 21, 6, for thus has the Lord said unto me, go, set a watchman, let him declare what he sees. One of the objectives of any ministry should be to keep you up to date on how Bible prophecy affects your day-by-day -day life. And we've done that, and we'll continue to do that. And this is what I wanted to share with you this morning. Time to wake up. Time to be aware that the things that you see around you that you don't understand are not accidental. They are purposeful. That what's happening in the country, the things that you see, and you wonder, how could they do something stupid like that? They're doing something intentional like that. And that should be the more upsetting and more surprising. But these days are going to continue. You mark my words, not my words, but God's word. That things are going to get to the place where, where it's going to be untenable. This country is going to be almost ungovernable. And so harsh things are going to take place. Meanwhile, we're going to continue to be together as a body of believers. We're going to take solace in God's word. We're going to know that God's got a plan. We're not going to be fearful. We're going to be certain of our faith in Jesus Christ and certain that God's word is the truth. When you can find no truth, one of the things, and I'll close with this, one of the things the Bible says will be in the last days. The Bible says in the last days there'll be a famine, not of food and drink, but of the preaching of this word. So if you want to be restored, if you want to be refreshed, if you want to get a good meal, I hope, come and be fed. You know, we, we're doing Bible study on Wednesday nights. 
And there's more for you to learn. And it gets intensive. We go a lot of times word by word. But we're closing in on the end of the book of Genesis. And I think you'll be blessed as we study the life of Joseph in the days and the weeks ahead. Let's pray. So, Father, this morning, help us not to be fearful, but to know that you've got everything under control, that we're going according to plan. And as chaotic and as upside down as it seems, you're the one who's guiding and watching over us. Keep us within your keeping, Lord. Help us not to be fearful. Help us not to be tired. Help us not to be ashamed. Help us not to be afraid. But help us to stand for the things that are representative of you. As we took communion this morning, help us to be living symbols of what it means to be a Christian. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.